Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to part two of episode 23, Booking an Outfitted Turkey Hunt with Yarrick Henley with Chain Ranch Outfitters. Now in this part of the episode, Yarrick is going to talk to us about how much to tip your guide, tipping the owner of the outfitting operation if he also guides, tipping the camp cook, and he's going to give us three tips that we have to know before we book our next outfitted turkey hunt. Now before we get started with that, I've been giving you guys a countdown to turkey season for the past few weeks and right now we're 31 days, 16 hours, 16 minutes, and 5 seconds from opening day of turkey season in Alabama. Yes, I am stoked and not only am I stoked, but I'm leaving in a couple of days to go to Nashville for the NWTF convention there. And I will be even more stoked. There's nothing like surrounding yourself with turkey hunting and turkey hunters to get you real fired up about opening day of season. So I'm trying to control myself here and not come unglued like I want to. Now also, again, I want to thank you guys for taking time to leave reviews on iTunes. That's very important for me and for the show. It helps us to rank better and it helps others to find the show which is always a good thing. So this week I want to thank S.C. Kinzer, who says, Best Turkey Podcast. Very informative podcast. Reaches every angle of turkey hunting. Can't tell you how much this is helping me get ready for opening day. Thank you and gobble gobble. S.C., thanks a bunch. I appreciate you taking the time to leave a review. And here's one for you. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this week's show. Don't forget at the very end of the show, after you hear the gunshot and the turkey flop, to listen in to fun with editing. Now, let's go ahead and jump into this week's show, and I will see you on the other side. Well, that brings me to my next question, which is, when is the best time to approach your guide and or the outfitter if you don't feel like you're getting your money's worth? And what is the best way to approach that situation? Because you don't, if it's day one, hour one, you don't want to get off on a bad foot and get garhold from that point going forward. Sure. But you also don't want to wait until day 2.75 of a three-day hunt. No doubt. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think that starts with what you talked about is get to know the guy before the hunt. I mean, we're all busy, but, you know, three or four phone calls over the course of a six-month period where you're developing a little bit of a relationship, you're talking about expectations, you're kind of laying out the script for both of you because I do want to know what your expectations are because if I don't know them, I'm going to fail when you get there and vice versa. 
you develop a relationship. Then when you enter into camp, unless things go astray, and might, you know, at the end of the day, you always have to be prepared that things could go sideways, and that, that happens in every scenario. But at the end of the day, if you go into camp and you've got a relationship built, then you feel a little bit more comfortable about saying, hey, this seems different than what we talked about. And I think the golden rule applies. You I mean, treat them as you want to be treated. If a guy's a jackass, pardon me, then you got to be a little bit more stern with it. But if you've developed a relationship and you don't see that, then it's an easy question. Hey, Eric, you know, you told me we we're going to run and gun. We've been sitting in a pop-up for three days. What gives? Oh, yeah, Andy, I forgot you were running, whatever it might be. But I think you can begin to ask questions that don't seem inflammatory so that you're right, so that you don't set off this tone of being a bitching about something. It's just simply questions. Hey, this is different. Or here's what I'd like to do. I frankly, if a guy, if we're a day and a half into it and he goes, why are we hunting this way? I sure would like to try this. Then listen to my answer. If I tell you, well, we're doing this way because the birds are, are acting in a particular way and it's our best success rate then that might make sense. And then I might even go, well, you know, that's just the way I picked. You want to try something different? Let's try something different. I don't know that there's a perfect answer to your question. I mean, timing and approach is everything. But I know that if you lay the groundwork prior to the hunt, you got a better chance of having a civil conversation about expectations when you get there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, on that same note, I've, I've got to throw this out there just for all the listeners because I think the story's hilarious. <laughs> And it is not the best story for me to tell about me, but I don't care. I'm telling it anyway because the story's so funny. So we're hunting in Oklahoma. I've killed my bird in Kansas. My hunting partner, John, has not killed his bird in Kansas. John and I, it's the first morning of the Oklahoma hunt. The wind is blowing 40 miles an hour. Yeah. We can't hear anything. But we spot these turkeys in a field about 800 yards away. Oh, wait, I'm going to raise my hand. I spotted the turkeys in a field about 800 yards away, which is going to happen. You're going to see things that somebody else is not going to see. So I spot these turkeys. We glass them. They're really so far away, and the wind's blowing so hard, we can't tell if they're hens or gobblers. So we make a little bit of a stalk on them. We get probably 400 yards, and we're able to identify that two of them are longbeards. And so the question comes up to Yarrick from me and John, how can we get to these birds? Because the wind's blowing so hard, it's a miserable day. We need to make this happen on these turkeys. And Eric said, I know exactly where they're going. Come on, follow me. We take off walking. We get a rounder on these birds, get out in front of them. And we sit down in this little area. There's a feeder that's probably, what, 75 yards from where we sit down, Eric? Maybe, yeah. And we're sitting there and waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And the birds are not there. In my mind, because we've been sitting there for, oh, probably three minutes, and the turkeys haven't just run up on us. In my mind, we're not in the right spot. And so I'm sitting closest to Yarek. Yarek's calling, and I said, hey. He said, what? I said, what are the odds that the turkeys are not coming through the woods, but they're walking down the road since the wind is blowing so hard? Yarek says to me, the turkeys come through these woods every single day. They don't walk down the road. I said, but the wind is blowing extremely hard today. I think with all the movement in the woods, the turkeys are probably going to be walking down that road. I think I was a good enough salesperson to where I actually convinced Yarek of that. <laughs> so Yarek, being the smart turkey hunter that he is, knows we've got two shooters. We think there's two possibilities of the turkeys making their approach to the, the feeder that they're going to. And so Yerick says, all right, Andy, since you did such a great sales job on me, you stay here. I'm going to gar hole you, and I'm going to take John to the road. And John and I are going to sit on the road because you got me convinced that's where those turkeys are coming. So they take off. They go to the road. They hadn't been gone 
five minutes, and I hear, put, put, and I'm like, oh, crap, this is not good. And I turn my head real slow, and about six feet away from me, one of those longbeards is standing there. And I just immediately am like, crap, I am busted and busted big time. So I've played this game enough to know that at a certain distance, you can quick draw a turkey. But at a close distance, it is very hard to quick draw a turkey because the turkey's initial reaction is not to run, it's to fly. So I had no other choice. I was not going to slow draw this turkey because there's a little hill, a mound of dirt really is what it was that I'm sitting up against. And if the turkey got on the other side of this mound of dirt, I'm done for. So I've got no choice but to quick draw. So I grab my gun, swing around, and when I do, the turkey takes off and he flies about 20 yards and he lands. Well, heck yeah, now we're 20 to 25 yards away. This turkey is done for. I cackled at that turkey, and he double gobbled as he's running off, and I shot and missed, and my gun jammed. And so here I am, now I'm up and I'm running after a turkey with a jammed gun in my hand. And I think maybe I've wounded this bird and I'm running him around in the woods, running him around in the woods and he runs off. And I don't even think I cut a feather on the turkey. He was more confused than he was hurt. He didn't know what in the world was going on. And so I'm telling you all of this to say, don't guide the guide. Yarek will tell you, hey, if your guide says we're going to hunt this way and he's not hunting that way, ask why. Sure. Don't just go, "Uh uh-uh, hey, you're doing this all wrong. Let's go over here and do it my way. Don't guide the guide. They know what the turkeys are doing, and they're putting you on turkeys. So I'm not going to lie to everybody and tell them that that'll be the last time that that ever happens, that I ever do that, (laughs) and sell my guide that a turkey's going to do B over A. But, well, that little uh, wristband I got you that you wear now that says don't guide the guide, that's helping, isn't it? <laughs> isn't that helping? <laughs> Every time I try to guide the guide from now on, I have to move that wristband from my left hand to my right hand or my right hand to my left hand. <laughs> uh, we're not right all the time. We make mistakes too, but there's there's some truth to that. Again, I mean, if you pick the right guy and you know that he's been on the ground, been on that property, knows the birds then typically he has a better understanding than you do of what they may be doing. Doesn't mean he won't get skunked, and you indicated we spent a day. We just couldn't make it happen in Kansas. We had to come back that next evening, and luckily we got it done, but that's hunting. Yeah. But at the end of the day, again, what you're paying for is the knowledge that I have of that property or that the guide has of that property, and, and hopefully you're getting your money's worth, and you've vetted him enough to know that he does know it, but take advantage of it. Again, he may not be the best caller. He may not know how to decoy perfectly, but but take advantage of what he does know and what he knows well. Absolutely. And keep an open mind. Absolutely. When you ask that question of why are we hunting this way or why did we do this? Why did we do that? First and foremost, you may learn something new that you didn't know. That's right. Which is worth whatever money you paid to go on that trip. If you can walk away from that trip and learn something that you didn't know before you went on it, that is the best money you'll ever spend. But secondly, the guy knows his turkeys better than you know them. That's right. He knows the patterns of those turkeys. He knows what those turkeys are doing at 9 o'clock in the morning, where they're going, what they're eating, why they're going there. He knows those turkeys better than you do. Now, if he comes up with something crazy and he's like, well, yeah, let's go hunt these turkeys out of the helicopter today. You know, I expect you to to guide the guide there and call him out on that one. But if you've screened the outfitter properly and you have 
make sure that you're hunting with the right person, then hear them out and be open-minded. Be willing to try what suggestions that they have and don't guide the guide. Well, I'll tell you one thing that you will get out of it, Andy, is that when you ask me a question, if you can ask me, Eric, why why do we go sit here and do this? And I can give you a straightforward answer with a good explanation. It builds confidence. And really, at the end of the day, I need confidence in you that you can pull the trigger and shoot that bird if I do my part. And you need confidence in me that that I can make that, that opportunity occur. And if we both have a lot of confidence, even bad situations get better because we have the right attitude going into it. And I, frankly, I like when a guy says, why are we doing this? And I go, well, here's why I'm doing it. And I tell him, and I, you know, I don't need to sit down and have a 30 minute turkey class right at that particular point when we've got five seconds to get in front of the birds. But I don't mind sharing why, because I'm a second guess myself occasionally. Hey, now that you know how it played out, what would you have done differently? Because I may learn something from you. You asked me when we got started, quick side stories, how I got started in the business. I've been doing this 16 years, and I told you how I got addicted to turkey hunting, but the very first person I ever guided in this business was Dick Kirby, owner of Quaker Boy Game Calls. That was my first client. I had to put a, a diaphragm call in my mouth and call for Dick Kirby. Are you kidding me? I mean, mm-hmm. he's a professional turkey hunter. I didn't have a clue, but I got to sit and learn from him that day. And I've been doing it for 16 years, and I get to take all that education and apply it to each and every hunt. But it's still not enough. I mean, if you know, you've heard this saying before, thank God they can't smell because the way those turkeys can see and hear, we'd never kill one if they could smell us. And I, I, I don't have enough education to get them killed. Well, let's talk about the subject that everybody wants to know, but nobody wants to ask. Money. How much of a tip is reasonable for an outfitter who's done a really good job for you? Yeah, you know, it is a subject that nobody likes to talk about, even in our camps. I mean, guides don't like to talk about it to other guides. It seems like a little taboo. But just with everything else, if you don't have a little bit of an understanding going in, somebody's going to be disappointed or have some questions. Typical rule of thumb, and if a hunter calls me and says, hey, what should I tip my guide? 10% on the cost of the hunt is an average price. But there's a couple things that I tell him. Number one, if he does an exceptional job for you, And by that, I mean, he was the first one there. He's constantly pulling you along, trying to make sure that you're squeezing every minute out of the day. Obviously, killing a bird is not what determines the success because I don't have control over that 100%. Um, But if he's putting in the effort and you can measure that effort, you know, don't be bashful about rewarding somebody that's taken the extra step because that encourages their behavior. For me, I love it when I hear that a guide gets a really nice tip because he's worked hard. (laughs) That gives him some incentive to keep doing it. Now, on the flip side of that, don't reward for bad behavior. I mean, if a guide has been a crappy guide, don't give him a tip just because you feel obligated. I mean, you might give him something lower than 10% so that he understands that he probably didn't do the job he was, and he may be upset by it. But for me as the outfitter, I don't want him being rewarded for subpar behavior because he's going to continue to do that. Guys that guide for me, when they do a good job and they get nice tips, it encourages and motivates them. I'll tell you who you will not find in South Florida during the summer. Guides in their beach houses. They don't make that much money. <laughs> I mean, it's not a, a it's not a business where you're getting rich. They do it because typically they love it. The good ones, at least. So, I appreciate you sharing that information about the tipping the outfitter, and I think that's good information. What about 
just real quick, your thoughts on tipping the guide when he's also the owner of the hunting operation that you're hunting with. Yeah, that comes up a couple times. I think it depends on what the hunt is, what the relationship looks like. So for me, I can only give my example. So I'm, I don't own the ranch, but I work for the family. I book the hunt, so I'm the outfitter. But as you know, because you've hunted with me, I, I, I love to guide. I'm heavily involved in the guiding aspect too. My opinion personally is if, if the outfitter bops into camp or is in camp the whole time and he's directing guides and, and hunters and just managing camp, I, I don't see a need to reward for that because that service was paid for when you booked the hunt. That's his job. Yeah. But if he gets up and he's guiding and he's taking two guys and another guy's taking two guys, he's actively involved in the guiding portion of it, then that particular portion of his job could be rewarded. Now, you know, the 10% rule apply? Yeah, maybe, probably. I mean, again, it goes down to how hard he works. For me, I want to be in that camp and I want to be guiding, A, because I love it, and B, because I can ensure the quality of the hunt that way. So for me, I typically will get tipped as a guide. But like during a hunt where I've got plenty of guides and I'm not doing it and I'm just managing camp, even if a guy tried to tip me, I'd probably say, hey, put that to the people who were actually in the field with you. So there are some exceptions to that. I mean, I know some small outfitters where they're the landowner, the outfitter, and the guide, and you pay a fee and, you know, you don't even see anybody else the whole time. Well, you know, use the golden rule again. If he worked really hard and you had an exceptionally good hunt and you want to reward him, I don't. nobody ever says no to tips. There's no doubt about that. And especially if you think this is a long-term relationship where you might want to come back, you know, saying thank you to a guy puts you in a position where he's favorable to you in, in the future. So I think yeah. you have to use your head a little bit in that regard. But I reward, and it doesn't matter if it's in my hunting business or anything else that I do in life. If a guy goes above and beyond, I want to take care of him. Absolutely. So, and so does that go as well for cooks, cleaning staff, the people preparing their trophy, all that stuff? And would you, are you tipping them? And if so, how much? Yeah, that, because then you have to get down to what the amount of that is. You know, what was the value of that, that service that they provided? Because you can't do it off of, you don't want to do it off of the total package of the hunt. Because if you were tipping them 10% plus your guide, pretty soon you got more in the, the tipping than you do in the, the whole deal. But you know, if, if you're in camp, like you guys were in camp with us, and let's say we had three three meals and I had a cook there and, and they provided three meals. If you had three suppers out on town and they cost you an average of $25 per supper, you'd tip you know, 10 to 15% of the cost of a meal over three nights. You might have laid down 15 or $20 worth of tip for somebody. That's kind of how I think about it. When and, and people ask me in camp what to tip my cooks. Look, they prepared four meals for you. Think of them as 20, 25 bucks a piece. We ate nice. They did a good job. You didn't have to eat cold sandwiches every night. Tip them on what the value of that meal would have been. I think that's pretty reasonable. I mean, cooks, again, they're not down in South Florida in the fall either. So a little something like that sometimes gets you a chocolate chip cookie on your pillow when you go to bed at night. So You can never go wrong with that. I didn't do that for you? No. Well, we started that after you left, so. Okay. All right. Maybe I should have tipped you more. (laughs) Well, a different kind of tip. Tell me two or three tips that I absolutely have to know before I book an outfitted hunt. Obviously, researching God would be one of them, or researching the outfitters. Sure. Start early on that. That's, I mean, number one, I keep saying it, start early. For your own benefit and for their benefit, you got more time to create that relationship. Start early. All right. I would never go into any hunt, even with my best friend, without having something in writing. 
you know, I send booking contracts. Some guys don't do that. At least get an email with something that says, here's what you're getting for what you're paying. And, you know, good fences make good neighbors. I, th- I think it's beneficial. You know, a lot of small outfitters and landowners, they, they don't have booking contracts. Well, send me an email. At least tell me the dates in there, when I arrive, what I'm getting for it. I don't want to be harsh on it. And if they won't do it, I mean, first of all, that might be an indicator that you don't want to go with them. Secondly, you send them an email. Here's what I understood that you just told me. And for all this, it costs X dollars and I need to send a 50% deposit. At least, if nothing else, he gets a response. Yep, that's what I told you. I just, yeah. I'm a big believer in, in not, I don't want lawyers involved. I don't want some crazy contract that takes 14 days to figure out. But just an outline of what we've both agreed to gives me something. I book a lot of people and I forget who I talk to sometimes and what I said. And I like to be able to go back and look at that booking contract and go, oh yeah, Andy's coming in Thursday, not Friday. Oh yeah, I told him I'd put a cookie on his bed. I forgot about that. I mean, I, we can have those details outlined so that, that I'm prepared when you show up. You're spending your hard-earned money to come on a hunt. Let's take a little bit of time to make sure that we're, we're putting it in detail. And So that number one, start early. Number two, have something in writing. Number three, and I could say this as one, two, and three, have some tenacity. I mean, guys, you're paying to go on a hunt. Unless you are specifically saying, I just want to get away and on vacation, I want to hunt an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening, I want you to leave me alone and let me sit on the couch for four hours in the middle of the day. If that's your expectation, then tell him. If not, have some tenacity. We have a window of opportunity that has been opened. You came onto my ranch for three days and we're going to kill eight turkeys. Let's go get them. Because at the end of the day, my stamp of success is that I booked three guys for three days or four guys for three days to kill eight turkeys, and I did it. That's a, that's a feather in my hat. Well, if, if I can't get you off the couch, then I got to tell people I booked four guys for three days and we only killed three birds. I don't want to tell people that. I want to go get it done. I want to make it happen. It's your dream, my dream. So be tenacious about it and put it all in there. We can sleep when we get home. True indeed. True indeed. Well, I think that you touched on something that is very important, and that is to get something in writing. Because, look, if you're paying somebody a 50% deposit, if you're going on a $1,000 or $1,500 turkey hunt, and you're giving somebody $500 to $750 up front, four months, six months, a year before you go on that trip, you need to have something in writing. Because if that person disappears with your money and you've got nothing in writing, that's exactly what you're going to stand a chance of getting back is nothing. Absolutely. But if they run off with your money and you've got something in writing, at least you stand a chance of getting some money back. Yeah. So you may have a hard time tracking that person down and you may never get your money back but at least you stand a chance of getting it back if you've got it in writing. And it's a big red flag if a guy says, oh, we don't do contracts, I don't send emails. To me, that's a red flag. Well, what do you mean you don't do that? What I mean, in today's world, that's not difficult. Doesn't matter if I live in the middle of nowhere. It's just another opportunity to build a relationship to say that we're going to trust each other. I'm going to trust you with three days of my life, which most of your listeners, that's extremely important. Three days of your life's worth a lot of money. All right, then you're going to trust me with your money. And it was hard earned. So we got to put some trust in each other. And if a guy says, I'm not willing to do that, to me, again, another red flag. Yep, true indeed. All right. I know you've got things that you've got to do. I've got one very important question to ask you. And it is something I ask everyone who comes on the show. So I don't want you to think that you're special. (laughs) I'd never feel that way with you, Andy. Never, ever. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Yerick, now I know you call in a ton of turkeys for hunters every year, but I want to know about the last 
successful turkey hunt that you were on where you squeezed the trigger and the two or three things that made that hunt successful? When I squeezed the trigger, I don't know that I've killed a turkey myself in the last, since you've been with me. We averaged killing about 45 turkeys a year, and I don't remember the last one I squeezed, but I will tell you, uh, probably the best one for me in the last couple years is taking one of my daughters. I have actually have four teenage daughters that live with me, so I have to get out on the ranch just to find some testosterone occasionally. Um, but I love taking them when they'll go. They're all girl, but occasionally I get them to, to talk to into going. And I took my oldest uh, last spring on a turkey hunt, and we got to sit down and spend some really quality time, first of all, just together. Mm-hmm. And at, with a teenage daughter who's about to go off to college, if I can get her focused on me for a little bit and I can focus on her, the turkeys don't matter. But yeah. at the end of the day or into that morning, we had an opportunity where we, we actually kind of boogered a bird and pushed it off and got to sit down and work that bird across a very open area back into about 20 yards and she shot it and you know it it wasn't anything exceptional outside of the fact that I'm there in the woods sharing it with my daughter and uh, we were successful at the end but at it was just being there with her and that may sound a little hokey but that end of the day that's what turkey hunting is about is going and enjoying it with your friends and family and you know killing a turkey shooting one at the face at 20 yards is just a bonus well said that is for sure and you know like i said earlier on this call you know our goal when we go on these trips is to kill turkeys but it is a secondary goal we thoroughly enjoy each other's company we enjoy being somewhere away from home because we all need that i believe and we enjoy the experience, meeting new people, seeing new dirt, seeing new trees, seeing new turkeys, yeah. all of those things. And that is what makes the hunt. The trophy is secondary, and there's no doubt about it. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. You bet. You bet. Well, tell me how I can contact you if I have any questions about booking an outfitter. So, you know, sometimes Andy doesn't ask all the questions that the listeners want, want to hear. And so if they have questions about booking an outfitter that I didn't touch on, or if they want to get some information from you about a turkey or waterfowl, deer, or a hog hunt with Chain Ranch, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Sure. Probably first to start by going to our website. It's pretty encompassing. It not only includes all of our hunting and fishing and recreational activities, but it's a, it's a cool website about the ranch itself. We're over 120 years old now, six generations working on the ranch. So there's a lot of history to our place, and that'll help you out and know a little bit more about us. But it's just simply www.chainranch. That's just like chain link. So all one word, C-H-A-I-N, ranch.com. All of my contact information is on there, phone number, uh, email email address. They could call me from there. I love talking turkey hunting. I have no problem answering questions, even if you're looking for other outfitters. What I typically don't do, just so you know, and I think I even told you this, I don't recommend other outfitters because I haven't hunted with them. I mean, if I haven't personally hunted with them, I don't know them. So guys will call me, and when I tell them I'm booked, they say, who else do you know? And I typically say, well, here's where to start. Point them in the same direction that I've pointed some of your listeners, but I try not to give recommendations to people that I haven't physically hunted with myself. So, But I love talking turkey hunting. I'd be happy to talk to any of your listeners anytime and, and share what I got to know. 
Yeah. Well, I think I gave you a plug personally and Chain Ranch a plug personally at the beginning of the show, so I don't want to harp on it too much. I'm going to tell you, if you're interested in a Rio Grande turkey and you want somebody that's going to treat you right, treat you like a person, treat you like a hunter, and work his rear end off for you, make a phone call, book it for next year. Book it for two years from now, three years from now, whenever you want to book it. But I'm telling you today that if somebody called me and said, I've got your wife and your kid hostage, and they're not going to see tomorrow if you don't bring me a dead turkey in 72 hours. I'm making one phone call. <laughs> That's I'm a lot of pressure. I hope your wife and kids are okay. I'm going to Kansas or Oklahoma, and I'm hunting at Chain Ranch, whether Yerick's there or not. <laughs> well, that's true. It will <laughs> transcend my, my abilities. It's an amazing place, but I, I appreciate that, Andy. You guys are you're a fun group to hunt with, and you know, as an outfitter, we can only take so many people, and I'll end with this. At the end of the day, I want to hunt with people I enjoy being with. No different than you want to hunt with people you enjoy with. That transcends the client-outfitter relationship. If I don't have a good time, why am I doing it? I mean, I'm, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't the end-all business for most of us. It's, it's kind of a supplemental thing. And so you know, groups like yours where we, at the end of the time, you kind of sit down on the couch and have a beer and go, wow, that was an adventure. Let's do that again. Maybe not yeah. for a couple of days, but let's do it again. <laughs> so. Absolutely. And full disclosure, I make absolutely zero dollars and zero cents. I get no free hunt. I get no free chain ranch hat, or as I've asked about 10 times, <laughs> tag for the front of my truck from Chain Ranch for telling you guys that. I'm telling you that because I would tell you that if you called me just out of the blue on my phone and said, hey, I'm looking for Rio. Where should I go? All right. The love is over here. No more from me. You get nothing from me from this point going forward, but grief because I think I've given you way too much. Your head's probably so big it's not going to fit through the office door the rest of the day. It almost feels dirty, I have to admit to you. Stop it. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. (laughs) But you got work to do. I'm going to cut you loose. Buddy, I appreciate you coming on and sharing the information with us. I know I learned information, which is very difficult to teach me anything because I already know it all, but you, at least that's what my wife says, but I appreciate you helping us out because it is a question that I get all the time about booking outfitters. And it's something that we're all a little leery of doing because we've either experienced the horror stories or we've heard the horror stories of people not getting their money's worth or even getting a trip at all out of the money that they paid. And so you've helped I think, to be able to clarify on where to start and what to do once the process gets started. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your friendship. And I'm sure I will talk to you again sometime soon. Our season comes in before yours, so hopefully I'll be sending you some turkey selfies way before you get a chance to send me any. I, I, I would imagine that we'll be burning each other up with texts over the next three or four months. So <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Andy. I appreciate it. Have a great weekend, buddy. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. All right. Goodbye. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. You know, Yerick seemed pretty unique to me when I first met him and talked to him on the phone. And what really stood out is that his passion for the sport of turkey hunting was evident. And in my conversation with the guy before we ever booked a hunt, I could tell that he hunted the way that I hunt and the way that my hunting partners hunt. And that if we wanted to hunt 24 hours, if there was that much daylight in the day, Yerick was going to do it. So I'm not bragging on him again, but what I'm doing is telling you that you can have that type of outfitted turkey hunt if you'll take the steps to ensure that you do. You want to be sure that you ask the right questions. And in saying that, I actually have a list of questions that you can use 
when you're interviewing outfitters before you book your next outfitted turkey hunt. And I'm going to make that list available to you. All you need to do is send me an email to turkeyhunt at iamturkeyhunting.com turkeyhunt at iamturkeyhunting.com and I'll send that list of questions out to you via email. You'll have a lot of the questions that I ask outfitters when I'm interviewing them for a hunt. Now you may have one or two questions that you want to ask or one or two questions that you need to ask that are not on that list but this is a pretty dang good start. There's 40 some odd questions on that list. So that's just a little added bonus for you for listening in today and you know, don't be afraid to ask the tough questions to the outfitters that you're thinking about hunting with. You're giving them your hard-earned money, and you want to make sure that you're going to get your money's worth out of the hunt. There are a lot of really good outfitters who are out there. The thing is, you want to make sure you find one that fits with your hunting style and your personality and can also deliver what they promise. And the only way to do that is to ask questions, ask your friends, ask your family for recommendations, and do your homework. So I hope the interview with Yarek has been very informative for you and very helpful. And I hope that the very next turkey hunt that you book is a very successful one and that you find an outfitter who will bend over backwards for you to get the job done. All right, so next week I'm going to have Rob Robinson with Forever Outdoors on the show. And Rob is a turkey hunter who is going to share his incredible, unselfish story of his gift of life and how he's now sharing his passion for the outdoors with others. It's a really good story, and Rob's a super nice guy. I think you'll enjoy the show, so be sure to tune in for that. That'll be episode 24 coming out next Thursday. And please don't forget to go on iTunes and go on Stitcher, if you're listening on Stitcher, and leave a five-star rating and a review. That helps keep us going over here. Keeps me motivated, and that's a good thing. Keep an eye on your feed this week for the Turkey Hunter podcast because I'm going to be in Nashville for the NWTF show, as I mentioned, and I'm going to be interviewing people with products and services that I think are unique and interesting. Just very quick interviews. I'll be posting those throughout the week and the weekend, so keep an eye open for that. I'll put a very good descriptive title up, and so if you see a show topic that you think is interesting and you want to tune in, just download that episode and take a listen. So I just want to keep you guys in the loop on what's going on in the show in case you can't be there yourself. And I'll try to bring as much of it to you as I can. Before I sign off, don't forget, Fun With Editing is coming right up after the turkey flop. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. I know you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us, and I hope you have a great week. See you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.
Welcome back to Fun With Editing. This is a new segment that I'm doing where I take certain parts of the interview and I have a little bit of fun with the audio editing software that I use. It's a short clip that I'm doing at the end of each show every week. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do putting it together. Now, because my lawyers say I have to do it, that's really a joke. Here's the disclaimer. Since you listened to the show in its entirety, you already know that no animals were harmed in the recording of this show, and the thoughts and opinions expressed in Fun With Editing are not necessarily the thoughts and opinions of the Turkey Hunter podcast, its guests, or its affiliates. All clips played in this part of the show are fake. You never heard this here. Enjoy. Get Garhold. Pardon me? Unless things go astray, don't guide the guide. You got to be a little bit more stern with it, jackass. If you want to try something different, let's try something different. But the wind is blowing extremely hard today. Yeah, maybe, probably. Since you did such a great sales job on me. Then that might make sense. I'm going to gar hole you. Pardon me? I am busted and busted big time. Jackass. But, but. Oh, crap. This is not good. You're right. I've played this game enough to know that I'm done for. Pardon me? You can quick draw a turkey. Jackass. It is very hard to quick draw a turkey. Pardon me? Hey, don't guide the guide. Yarek will tell you he was more confused than he was hurt. Pardon me? Hey, you're doing this all wrong. Let's go over here and do it my way. Hey, don't guide the guide. They're putting you on turkeys. That's helping, isn't it? <laughs> well, heck yeah. Why did we do this? That's hunting. Why did we do that? That's hunting. Now, on the flip side of that, don't reward for bad behavior. And I'm running after a turkey. I didn't do that for you? Oh, yeah. I told him I'd put a cookie on his bed. Keep an open mind. Number one, have some tenacity. Number two, we can sleep when we get home. Number three, it almost feels dirty. Pardon me? My gun jammed. That's a feather in my hat. I want to go get it done. My gun jammed. Pardon me? And you may never get your money back. I want to make it happen. Possibilities that these turkeys are going to... like to try this. I'm going to trust you with three days of my life. So, I don't want you to think that you're special. Are you kidding me? I'd never feel that way with you, Andy. And I don't remember the last one I squeezed, and I did it. So big, it's not going to fit through the office door. It's your dream, right. my dream. I have to admit to you, stop it. Well, we started that after you left, so. And I did it. I'm done for. Four, four.